0: This episode of Playback Theatre Talks is a special episode. This time, I will be interviewed by Chetna Mehrotra, a playbacker and a friend that has been on the podcast before. This time, Chetna and I will talk about solo playback theatre, which is a playback theatre practice with one playbacker acting on stage. Please join us for another episode of Playback Theater Talks.
1: Hello Noah, how are you? (laughs) I'm fine, it's great,
0: great connecting with you again. It's always a pleasure
1: absolutely and i was looking at our last call at skype which was about two years ago three years ago <laughs> mm, wow good to connect
0: uh, you were one of my first guests in uh, playback theater talks i remember this talk very vividly and we got to also work again in the iptn and uh yeah so as i said it's
1: always a great pleasure to connect and i want to thank you for doing this Yes, absolutely, and uh, uh, as I say, it's, I'm on the other side today, and I'm excited to know more about you and the world that you've created for playbackers, so let me get started on my role. <laughs> yes, please. Noah Laibu is an Israeli playback theater conductor and an actress and is located in Europe. And we'd like to know about your Europe uh, stint and your work, of course, later. Um, Noah has been practicing playback theater for more than 20 years. In recent years, she's been teaching playback theater internationally and is running solo playback performances and workshops. Noah is the founder of Story Lane Playback Theater and host of the podcast where we are right now, Play Packed Theatre Talks. So, Noah, welcome officially. <laughs> mm, thank you. Yeah, it's
0: nice to hear this description.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, Noah, I, I mean, I, I've known you for quite a while, a few years, and you said IPTN was a great uh, space for us to also see and look at the vision that. Sh- also, that you've created for yourself. I got to know very closely about your thoughts, ideas about, about arts and applied, and applied theater and playback theater. So tell us, I, I'm very keen to know about your experiences of being a playbacker. So let's, let's start with that.
0: Well, um, my experience being a playbacker that started quite a long time ago. It's more than 20 years now that I've been doing playback and i first started doing playback i believe it was 2002 and i started in a playback group in my hometown and uh, there was a great conductor and playback teacher named danny nevitt and he was the first one that introduced me to playback theater and then i started actually to I started my um, acting training. I started studied acting. After a year, I I decided to move to to study acting in in different ways, not in school. And after doing that for a while, I was going to the university and just uh, and did um, a degree in uh, psychology and sociology. So. During that time when I was studying in the university, I didn't do any playback theater. But after I finished my master degree, I came back to playback. And now I had a new teacher, a wonderful teacher named Einat mashal Mitsan. She also wrote a book about teaching playback theater. It's available also in English. And I really enjoyed acting and um, just being a part of a playback group but after a while i realized i want to leave israel that was something that was kind of alive in me for a while but i finally had the courage to 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 do that and me and my husband left israel about it's almost a decade ago so i left to germany and when i was in germany i realized that that i'm not going to that if i want to do playback theater I need to start my own my own playback theater group, and I, I need to start conducting, and I need to start being like a playback organizer, and not just uh, an actor. And that was very challenging because it was a new country. I didn't had you know I I, I wasn't connected to anyone. And I, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't had much experience in conducting. I didn't have any network in, in Germany, in Berlin specifically, because I was uh, I was living there. Uh, so it took me a long time to start my own playback troupe in Berlin, uh, but I finally did. And after living in, in, in Germany for a while and during COVID, I started doing a lot of online playback. And I traveled and I teached around the world. And right now I'm working in different places, but I'm mainly uh, working online, teaching online, performing online. Maybe later on I'm going to describe how I got to do solo playback theatre because that's the focus of our conversation. But but in general, that's my yeah what have I have been doing uh, in terms of playback in the last uh, 20 years.
1: Thank you, Noah. That is. A journey, definitely, which is um, which I when I was listening to you, it is a lot of uh, exploration. You go, you you had an encounter with playback. You went back, you came back to playback theatre, and also the courage to move to another land, a space which which you had to recreate for yourself, as in professional and personal space. So um, you know, it's almost sounding like a playback theatre performance where you dive into the unknown. And then something emerges beautifully. So uh, you were living your practice. Um, mm. So this reminds me when I say practice, I know I feel like to share, um, like you did mention about your teachers, uh, what, what, what influences your practice? And I'm sure that we are going to next, after this talk about solo playback theater, and I'm very keen to know before that, if you'd like to just share what Is um, on a very personal, social or um, psychological level, what influences your art practice?
0: Uh, What influences my practice? Hmm. Uh, Well, in general, my life (laughs) influences my practice and I have a lot of different interests and I'm definitely bringing them to my playback practice. For example, in uh, in the last year, I was very much uh, curious and involved and uh, exploring nonviolent communication. Mm -hmm. So this is something I included in my practice. So I started. I also offered a workshop about playback and nonviolent communication. And also, you know, other practices that I have, like uh, mindfulness, for example, I think this is something that definitely supports my way of doing and relating to playback theater. And because I have a background in, I'm also a group facilitator and I've studied ecology and I've studied sociology, I think those things are really essential or are really like uh, important components when it comes and, 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 and give me, I think, um, the way I approach stories and the way I approach playback theater in general comes from those things that I've, I've learned Of course, the stories are all personal, but I always see the connection between the individual and society. I see things in a more systematic kind of uh, framework. I I think this is something that really helps me when I'm approaching a story and I'm kind of exploring the different layers that stories have. This is something that, that definitely helps me. And I also have a background in acting. I appreciate good acting when it comes to playback and in general. This is another thing that is um, that is important, but this is more on the aesthetic of playback theater. But that also influenced the way I watch playback, the way I'm teaching playback, the way I'm performing. And it's really also depends on it depends on, on the time that I'm in in my life. Also recently I'm very interested and curious about Jungian psychology. I'm, I'm sure that this thing is also finding its way into my playback practice. So everything I'm doing in life, my spiritual practices, my my understanding of the world are all kind of integrated into my, Understanding of playback theatre and the way I approach playback theatre, whether it is uh, teaching playback theatre or performing, or you know just um, being in the playback theatre community.
1: Yeah, and what you rightly said in the beginning is life that influences your practice, and it's it's amazing when you spoke about nonviolence as as a, as a method. Uh, to work and integrate with playback and, of course, as a student of, as you said, with sociology and psychology. So this takes me to our most important (laughs) question for me today. I have witnessed solo playback theatre performance. Uh, I'm very enchanted because, of course, when we all learned playback theatre as an ensemble uh, process of a collective of, of five actors, four actors, three actors, a conductor, musician—you know—traditionally, when we draw even a, a map or a stage of playback theatre performance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, would you like to share with us what is solo playback theatre, um, and and for you, what when did this idea emerge of this practice of solo playback theatre performance? What was it for you? Mm. So maybe I'm going to start by telling a little bit how I got
0: in, uh, got involved in solo playback theater. Um, yep. Because I started, you know, doing playback theater like everyone else. I was um, a part of an ensemble. I was a part of a group, and I didn't thought it's even possible to do playback by yourself, like having only one person on stage. So I I started, as I I said earlier, I was in Berlin, and it took me a few years to start my own playback troupe. And I finally did, and we started working, and I really wanted us to perform, to do performances. And I started, you know, offering performances to different organizations, uh, but no one knew what is playback theater and I had a really hard time to you know trying to promote it Uh, one day I got a phone call I got a request from um, an organization to do a playback uh, theater performance and that was an Israeli organization actually that was operating in Berlin and I was really excited because that was the first time that someone actually contacted me uh, but the only thing is that they wanted the performance to be in Hebrew, and mm-hmm. I had I had an international group, and uh, no one other than me spoke uh, Hebrew. So so I was really disappointed, and I turned them down. I was saying, uh, I'm sorry, but uh, I'm the only Hebrew speaker in 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 my troop. I cannot uh, I can't take this offer. I can't do this performance. But it really stayed with me like this experience of having to say no after finally, you know, getting a request uh, to do a performance. And I was really determined to kind of um, find out whether I could actually say yes to those people. And, um, and I also, I I asked online whether people are doing playback um, by themselves and I I realized that some people have tried that. And there's also Karina Gisler from Switzerland that, uh, uh, that was practicing that. And I, and I, I started to kind of um, play with this, with this idea about doing solo playback. Uh, but I, I thought that, you know, I, I didn't know really how to approach it. So I started practicing that in uh, improv workshops I went to just regular improv theater workshop and I was trying that, and I went to Open Stages in Berlin and I would try that, and the responses were really, really good. So that was that was good, like that was uh, encouraging. And then I started a group in Berlin. I, I had some friends that were doing playback that, and they weren't attached to any group, and I. Uh, gathered them and I asked them if they were would be willing to explore with me solo playback so we met a few times and we were practicing that so it was a very gradual kind of exploration I was very careful because I because I knew that this is something that it's it's not the classical traditional way of doing playback and there's of course there were some issues there were some things I had to solve in order to to kind of do it well, uh, because usually in performances you have the conductor sitting next to the teller while while the uh, actors are performing, and in this case, you know it's, it, it 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 was uh, different because I was both the conductor and the actress, uh, so I had to figure out some solutions to to different things. That that's not the only one, but this is one thing. And this is how I, I started basically with solo playback. And I started teaching that because people asked me to teach that. And uh, so I gave a workshop. Um, actually my first work workshop was in India. My first solo playback workshop was in India. Wow. And uh, yeah, and then, I, um, then COVID started. And I felt this urge to perform, and I started to perform online uh, doing solo playback. And that was amazing. That was, um, uh, again, a very meaningful and rewarding experience. so I started also offering online workshops that was also not obvious to me that it's even possible. But um, I noticed that when I'm working with my uh, with my troupe, I'm teaching actually a lot of solo playback so I realized uh, online. So I realized this is something I can definitely also bring to the entire playback theater community and offer solo playback workshops. So it was a really gradual kind of journey um into solo solo playback and I during covid I did some performances and because of the restrictions uh, back then um, I did it to like a very small audience, uh, audiences because the restriction kind of limited the the amount of people to less than uh, eleven or something like that. So, um, and I realized that it's actually working for me very well. well These very intimate performances, and mm-hmm. now it's important to say that I'm always doing performances. I always have a musician with me. Uh, and lately, I started calling my performances solo playback with music. It took me a while to kind of figure out how to call it, but uh, uh, now I'm working mainly with Johnny Ablonka from Australia, and um, yeah, and it's a great collaboration. So I just wanted to to mention that that uh, I'm doing solo playback, but I do have always uh, a musician. I think it's very important to, during performances that was uh i was answering i think the first part of your question regarding regarding how i came to do solo playback but i think
1: you were asking maybe another thing i'm not sure i was wondering like uh we know that uh, playback theater when somebody asks us we have we know how it is defined how do you define solo playback theater hmm. yeah so in, in solo playback, I'm basically,
0: as I said, it's it's just one person that is doing the conducting and the acting. And uh, but having uh, a musician, I think, to do all three is very very complex, and I wouldn't recommend that. But maybe someone is actually, um, maybe there's a concept that I'm I, I didn't uh, figure out yet regarding combining the the three components together. Um, I have to say that in some solo playback performances I had also a conductor joining me so I was doing the acting someone was doing the conducting and I had a musician, Uh, but mainly I'm doing the the conducting and the acting. So that's that's the difference. And there is more differences to solo playback and more traditional playback. I mentioned, for example, that. In the traditional ritual of playback theater, you would have the conductor sitting next to the teller. Um, And in solo playback, I I usually ask someone from the audience, uh, usually someone that the teller came with to the performance to to sit next to the teller and give the, the, the support that usually the conductor gives to the teller during the enactment. So this is for this is one example. So that's the the main thing uh, that you have one person on stage. So you don't do the regular traditional forms that people know from playback theatre. Those are usually wouldn't be available to you as a solo playbacker. So I came out with different. I, I don't like to call them forms. It's more of like. Um, I I do teach them as sometimes as forms, but I don't tell myself before I'm going on stage, I'm going to do, I don't know, like you would say, a conductor would say to the ensemble, uh, now you're going to do um, a fluid sculpture, for example. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm not doing that. (laughs) I have a freedom to kind of go on stage without knowing exactly what will I do. Sometimes I have something in mind, like sometimes as I'm listening to the teller, I have something in mind already. But um, yeah, but a lot of times it's very spontaneity is really like an improvisation is really big. in It could be in solo playback. So so you don't have a conductor that tells you uh, you're going to do this or that. And you have to multitask. You have to if you're if you're doing both the conducting and the acting, usually when I'm doing just the acting, I am available while I'm listening to the story, you know, to kind of think about what I'm going to do. And I have like images and metaphors that come up for me while listening to the story. And when I'm doing both the conducting and the acting, I'm not always going to be able to to do that to multitask in this way, and of course, it's really important for me to really be there for the teller when I'm conducting so i'm I'm trying to not be preoccupied in anything else but the teller so this is another thing that is challenging in in solo playback uh, that you're yeah, that I'm totally like a lot of times I'm 100 percent observed in the story of the teller as a conductor. And then I have to switch real quick to acting mode. So this is um, another big difference between solo playback and traditional playback. In yeah. terms of the ritual, I'm trying to keep the ritual, but I have to come up, as I said, with the creative solutions because some things are not available to me as a solo performer. So I'm I'm a lot of times, I'm I'm coming up with creative solutions like uh, engaging the audience more in the performance, maybe inviting sometimes people from the audience to come on stage and do something with me. Of course, it depends on the audience and and different things. In online performances, some of the things are some things are actually easier to cope with and in in online performances of course you don't have the conductor sitting next to the teller so this thing is already like because of the format those dilemmas are already kind of uh, not relevant But there are other things, because uh, usually in a traditional playback performance, you have the actors uh, doing this kind of modeling of uh, hearing a story and then doing a fluid sculpture uh, or also telling their own stories in the beginning of the performance. So, as I said, yeah, I need to be more creative when it comes to solo playback. So those are a few examples of the differences, but I'm sure I can come up with more. But I think it can give the, lis- the listeners kind of an, a glimpse of what it's like to do solo playback and in, in which way it's different from tr- traditional classical playback theater.
1: Were these performances of solo playback theater are also like a 90 minutes performance or you've also experimented in terms of duration?
0: No, duration wise, it's the same, I would say. It's the same, same kind of same amount of stories and the same um, length of scenes of like enactments so it's very very similar to just a normal playback performance.
1: Um, um, Just just kind of uh, going back when you started about the the performance in Hebrew when you were invited and such a window of of, uh, golden opportunity that emerged and we always say that where, you know, all our gifts emerge when, you know, we feel that something is not working is where it's going to work. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that you've kind of worked around and emerged. And while I was listening to the format, um, you know, in my, like right now in my body and, you know, imagination, I'm also wondering, like in a traditional classical Leap back theater performance. And, you know, I've also been doing for 10 years. Um, there's also, there are two, three things that kind of have, are, are, I'm wondering about. One is, while we enact a uh, story, uh, we have, we know we have co-actors, we have two of them or three of them. Uh, one is the idea of multi-perspective, because this is just Chetna, and when and there's a co-actor, Noah will also bring in another offering, could be another window of of, of revelation for the teller to witness another perspective. One, and second, so how in solo playback do you look at this? Um, and second, um, I'm not sure because I've not done it myself. Do you think it's also physically draining to be so present to a a space, to a teller, Mm. as a doctor, as an an actress. Um, How's that? How are these worlds for you? I I will start with
0: the the first uh, question regarding their perspectives. I think that's a really important question because uh, I agree that when you have a group of people, you can potentially have different perspectives and different ways of understanding a story. So I hear a story in one way I have, but I also have my blind spots. I also have, you know, my my experience that influenced the way uh, what I hear and the way I listen to a story. So it's always good to have a group of people and each and every one of those people can can listen to, to the story and bring different elements and different um, and different approaches to to the same story mm-hmm. uh, but I have to say that a lot of times I, I see um, I see in groups that uh, even though you have you know four or five people, you still see in the enactment that this group covered only one side of the story and they didn't explore. Uh, the different uh, dimensions of the story. So even in a group, you don't always get to have the, the story represented to its fullest or, or something like that. And of course, that in solo playback, potentially that could, that could happen and that could be even worse. And this is why I think it's important if you're planning to do solo playback... I think it's important to have experience in, in doing playback theater yeah, and, mm. and kind of this understanding of, of, of stories. And even if you are very, very experienced, of course you can always be subjected to your, your own limitations. So that's, you know, this, this is something we can, but uh, I think it's just important to, to know that, to know that, uh, this uh, this might happen, and to be humble. And But yes, I would advise for people that want to do solo playback to get a meaningful experience in playback theatre uh, before doing that in order to serve the, the story well and to, to do good service to the story. Um, and also in order to have an, uh, an empowering experience I think many times when people are doing solo playback, when they're not ready for it yet, I mean, that's, of course, that's subjective. But sometimes, you know, people want to challenge themselves. Uh, so a lot of times the experience is not so um, so great. So I think it's it's really important to kind of wait for the right uh, timing to, to do that. But of course, no one will ever tell you, okay, now you're ready. So it's really about you being tuning in to yourself and being and, and be honest or have integrity regarding that regarding you know telling when it's the right time and if you don't feel comfortable then maybe it's 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 better to wait a little bit yeah and re- yeah. regarding the what you said about uh, solo playback being a bit um, draining or a bit more demanding than than a regular playback theatre and performance, I would say yes, it's, of course, a lot of times when I'm performing because of the adrenaline and the excitement, I don't feel how much energy uh, it takes, but it does require more, more energy, more focus. It's it's very demanding because as I said, usually also in my performances, I'm also I'm both you know not just doing the conducting and the acting, I'm also organizing everything. Um, and when it's online, I'm also a lot of times supporting people with technical issues. So that's um, that's a lot of balls in the air that I have to juggle. So it it does demand a lot more. Focus and concentration and attention. So yeah, definitely, it's very
1: very demanding as a as a um, performer and a conductor myself in a classical traditional playback theatre performance. I tell my team after we finish a performance that I need some juice or you know chocolate after Mm -hmm. the performance, and and we all sit down and in India definitely we have a lot of chai, you know tea, (laughs) yeah samosa and snacks so yeah. um, I'm also wondering like uh, Noah like how how does one like we know that when we as a collective come together for a performance there is a ritual or a practice backstage that we have or we, even for me it's a day before or two days before that uh, I follow some of my spiritual practices of you know um, meditation and shamanism it kind of brings me back grounds me uh, so what are some of the practices? That before a performance or every day that you bring that brings you back to yourself, or you you prepare to honor and go and and share uh, and play back stories for people as a solo performer. I think the greatest skill that a solo
0: playbacker needs is the ability to be empathic and to to be compassionate. So mm-hmm. those are, I think, even more. Than any other acting skills or conducting skills, because um, a lot of times in, in playback performances, we might uh, have a teller that we we don't connect with, and when we have a group of people, then you know the other people can cover up for us, so we can maybe go on stage, but don't we don't have to take like a, a main role in the scene or we can choose maybe not to go on stage because there are other people that can play back the story. And we don't have this privilege in in, in solo playback. So I think yeah. the main thing is to be able to serve and to hear every story and to, to respect each and every story, even if the teller is really saying something that maybe outside of the playback theatre practice could potentially upset you because uh, in in solo playback, you don't have the privilege to say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to play that. Then I think it's even more important to kind of perfect your ability to, to love, you know, to be empathic and to, to listen with compassion to each and every story. So, Spiritual practices like the one you were mentioning, meditating, um, reading something that uh, that inspires you. Uh, it's very important. Uh, those practices are even more meaningful when it comes to solo playback because you really want to put yourself in a place where your heart is open, where your heart is open to each and every story that you're going to, to hear during yeah. the performance so whatever works for uh, for you, that's great. And for me, that could be definitely meditating or listen to some to a talk that I found inspiring, um, moving, dancing, connecting to my body. And since I'm working with a musician, then before the performance to connect with your partner, with your musician, and set an intention for the performance. So those are practices that helps me to prepare to my performances or to any playback theater activity, but mainly to performances where it's, as I said, you need to be very, very focused and very mindful. So those are some of the things I'm, I'm doing
1: um so um I, I, we've we've spoken a lot about how what is solo playback, how it creates a new space moving away from our uh, from a traditional classical playback theater and uh, now this time I really want to invite you to share what do you love and enjoy about playback theater uh, solo playback theater performances what are, what could be the benefits uh, of of you being a performer, conductor, actress, and Also the audience. Well, I have to say that people that are coming to my solo playback
0: theater workshops are saying, and they're very surprised by that, that one of the benefits that they're uh, noticing is the ability to have like more control over the scene. Because a lot of times playbackers have, they have a, a concept, they have an idea in mind when they are coming to the stage, but then, you know, someone else from their group is bringing um, a different offer, and they have to and they have to let go of whatever it is that they initially thought of. So in playback theater, you can just go along with your with so in solo playback theater, you can just go along with whatever concept you had in mind when you first came on stage, and of course, no one would interfere with that. So, this is one thing that people that are coming to my workshop uh, are mentioning. I have to say that, and that would probably sound a bit surprising, but um, I actually enjoy more doing playback, uh, doing performances with, with the group and not just by myself. I really enjoy and I really appreciate the group, the teamwork. Uh, yeah. for me, this is something that that means a lot to me. this the the teamwork, the camaraderie. Uh, yeah. so this is something that I appreciate and I love about playback. And I think this is one of the things that attracted me and maybe be so attracted to 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 playback theater in general. But this is something that uh, people mention, and I have to say, I, I guess it's true that you have more control, but there's kind of like a trade-off between, control and responsibility, because you have a lot more responsibility. And as I said, maybe sometimes you, you're you not resonating with the story or you don't understand the story or something like that, and you don't have um, your group to rely on. It's all up to you. So there's kind of this trade-off between control and responsibility. I, I enjoy the freedom that it gives me. You know, I was doing a lot of uh, traveling in the last few years and i was able to do playback in different parts of the world um so it gives me this this freedom and this is something i appreciate a lot the ability to to do playback in in different places and yeah and a lot of people around the world are telling me they're they're they really want to find a group to work with but they can't they just don't have any playbackers around them and they don't have the possibility to or they try to organize their own group and it didn't work so solo playback definitely provides them with the um, gives some kind of solution to that so they want to do playback but they don't have a troop or they want to promote playback theater they want and they want to showcase it so, practicing solo playback can definitely help people with that. So, in terms of just having the flexibility and the freedom to do playback in different places and different times, uh, whether also online and offline, those are things that for me, to my lifestyle, it works very, very well.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that one of my own team members also has attended your workshop and um, I think it's just when he he learned from you in your sessions, he also brought in a lot of uh, experience from your workshop to even our, you know, know, traditional playback theater performances. I could see the, um, uh, I could see this confidence of offering changed. It impacted his practice. And also bringing in more uh, deeper perspectives. So these are two things that I observed post, you know, uh, his, his, his stint with in your workshop. So I can even say that. Yeah. Wow. It's it's great to, to hear that. And I definitely
0: remember him. And I have to say that um, I always say that, you know, um, coming to a solo playback workshop, it's not about... Necessarily that after the workshop you would do solo playback, but I, I think it can really support you as uh, as a playbacker. You don't necessarily have to practice solo playback it, it it is just something to um it just give you some tools regarding in how to create more dynamic in a scene and this is a very important um, point that uh, I think I should. Uh, I should address and it also uh, relates to some of the questions you asked me earlier. Uh, In solo playback, you don't have the team to inspire you. A lot of times, you know, you have um, another playbacker on stage making an offer and this inspire the scene and creates this dynamic in the scene. And in solo playback, it is just one actor or one actress um, that is, on stage or on screen, and you need to um, and you need to create this dynamic yourself. You need to have a scene that is rich, that is diverse, that is in, engaging, and uh, and and do that all by yourself. Uh, so you want to really improve your your acting skills in general your ability to move from to transition from one emotion to another and also how to advance the storyline not to get stuck in in one point and doing that while also address addressing different layers of the story yeah when we talked about you know the the more systematic the more social components or they're more archetypical components that are maybe uh, you recognize in the scene. Uh, Mm -hmm. So you really want to um, have different tools you can use when, when you're, uh, when you're performing, when you're doing solo playback, because you don't have those different influences that are coming from different people in the, um, uh, in your group that are working with you so being a dynamic and versatile actor or actress is super important when it comes to solo playback so i'm glad to hear that this is also something that you noticed watching at uh, your yeah. your your friend doing playback uh, after coming to my workshop so i'm thank you for mentioning that that's really warms my heart to to hear that because as i said this is uh the, this is the intention I bring to those workshops. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, I, I'm also uh, wondering: Noah, would you would you have any experiences or any 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 particular performance that is very alive in you, where you really felt expansive as a performer or as a, as an organizer or as an actress? Any of it? Uh, how it'll be wonderful to know. Uh, any any experience that you have with you?
0: Um, hmm. I have to say that um, I remember very clearly my first performances um, doing solo playback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I guess one of the reasons is because it was so um, like a primal experience. One of my w- or I think my first my first solo playback enactment was uh, in berlin in an open uh, open stage uh, improv open stage
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um i had only seven minutes where i had to do the conducting and the enactment so i really ask a very like direct question and ask for like a very and it's uh, you can see it also in youtube And I did this enactment, and I think uh, I I felt very moved after that because uh, so many people, and of course the audience didn't know what playback theatre is, um, but so many people were moved after this enactment, so that gave me kind of the reinforcement, the encouragement to uh, to keep and do solo playback, um, but I have many, many performances that were really, really, um, that I felt that I'm kind of in a flow, that I was kind of, I felt like I'm channeling something. I wasn't, it was kind of like uh, being in a trance. I was really like just uh, all throughout the performance, from beginning to end, I felt I'm in this flow. And that's just a beautiful feeling. And it's kind of uh, hard to even grasp doing solo playback and having to conduct and to act and do all that and also be in that mode. So I'm not always uh, getting there. And there's also, you know, hard experiences where things are not working. But this is really a gift when that happens. I can't really say a specific uh, thing. I, I think my first performances are are the ones I'm, I'm, I'm kind of... Uh, that were really meaningful and I'm really happy that it came out so well when I first started uh, because that gave me this kind of uh, uh, inspiration and and encouragement to keep and pursue this thing.
1: Wow, so so I, I could so, I was so in the moment when you spoke about channeling, it's almost like in my shaman teacher speaks about the hollow bone and how we become the hollow bone and there's something that's happening in that magnetic field and it's, it's mystical. It's so mystical and I can only really imagine, I can feel it when you said that. And I I can also share about, you know,
0: about, uh, about uh, experiences that didn't go so well. Luckily, Uh, it's not, it's not so common, but uh, I think in solo playback, the setting is super important. And, and one time, I did a performance in, while I was traveling, I did a performance in a pub, in a bar, um, in the back, it wasn't in the pub itself, it was kind of uh, uh, in in the back garden, uh, but people kept on coming from the pub <laughs> to look at what I'm doing and they kept on coming and going and it was really, and that was really distracting and uh, it was really challenging uh, I first when I when I saw the venue they told me oh don't worry people won't go from the pub to the backspace but unfortunately during the performance no one kind of prevented them from doing that and that was that was a really uh, not a pleasant experience to have and uh, as I said a lot of times when you're doing playback in a group you can laugh about it afterwards you know with your with your troop members with your group, and uh, in, in solo playback, you're kind of whether if you have a very positive experience or a negative experience, or a, you know, or a story stays with you, you don't have much uh, opportunities to process that with with someone. Luckily, now I'm doing a lot of online performances uh, with Johnny, so that so i can i can share and i can talk with him but uh, during that time i was travelling and i had a musician that wasn't really familiar with playback which is another thing that i think is very important to to take under consideration if you're doing playback theater to have someone that is oriented uh, to have a musician that uh, knows playback theater and that is uh, very well qualified to support you in your solo enactment i think the musician role is uh, even more meaningful when it comes to solo playback so yeah so the setting is very important and you you just want to be uh, not to make compromises because there is so many things you 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 have to take care of as i said conducting acting organizing and all that so you want to really minimize any disturbances
1: Thanks for sharing that because it's important for us to understand the spectrum of what it is to hold a space as, as a solo playbacker, you know, the joys and the and, and the limitations or both of them. Um so how does one learn to solo playback theater from you, Noah? Where do we come to you? How do we how do you call us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well actually I'm
0: Occasionally, I'm giving workshops. Actually, during COVID, I did a lot of online workshops. And lately, I offered one, another online workshop. And that was just a few weeks ago. And I'm planning to offer another workshop in the end of September or beginning of October. So I'm going to offer that soon again. I also have a long-term solo playback group that is already running for a couple of years now. So there's uh, people that been uh, studying with me for more than two years, solo playback. Now I'm starting the fourth cycle of this uh, troupe. And as I said, you know, in the beginning when I started teaching, I, I only gave like a very short online workshop And then I expanded that and expanded that. And then I offered this 12 session cycles and people kept coming back. So there are people that are, yeah, that are studying solo playback with me for quite a while. And I think it's this is something that is really like a never ending process. You can always learn and improve your playback theater skills. People can just write to me and I will let them know when the next workshop is taking place. I really enjoy teaching. I learn a lot from teaching, from watching other people doing solo playback. We also do performances of uh, solo playback when each cycle is is ending, we're, we're performing. So, yeah, it's, it's a great, great pleasure to be involved in, in all that, and also to be connected to the playback theatre community and to see all the talents that, that we have in our community. that That is also something, a great, great reward that I have teaching playback.
1: Um, I, mean, I also wanted to know, do, does someone need to have a little bit of playback theatre experience, as in classical traditional form, or one can just join your workshop to experience it? I I do say that it is suitable for people with experience.
0: As I said, the more experience that you have that could support your solo
1: playback uh, practice. So, Noah, as we're almost wrapping up our conversation, is there anything that you'd like to say or add something before we wrap up?
0: Um, hmm. Well, I don't know. I guess there's there's so much to say about about solo playback because it it connects to so many aspects of of playback theater in in general. It, it's basically very much connected to to any other kind of playback theater practice. It's just kind of um, playback theater on steroids in a way. It's kind of a very uh, enhanced it kind of brings you to your edge as a playbacker. This is why I, I think it's uh, so wonderful to explore that. I think another thing that happens to people that are starting to practice that is that they see that um, it's actually not so intimidating as they they might uh, feel. So it's it's both at the same time. It's it's very challenging and it kind of really pushes you to your edge. But it's also very much, it's a lot of fun and it's very rewarding and it's very empowering to practice solo playback. So there's a lot of uh, different sides to that. And as I said, I said earlier, there's kind of this trade-off between the freedom and the control that you get and all that with with the responsibility that comes with doing solo playback and this is something that is important to keep in mind that we're we're dealing with people's stories and we want to be yeah and we want to be very careful and very not to a degree where we are paralyzed but by the responsibility but we we want to be uh, we want to be careful and we want to to act we want to be active, and we want to serve the story in the best way we can. So those are things that it's important to take under consideration before you consider when when diving into this world of solo playback. Another thing that is important to me to say that I'm only speaking from my own perspective and my own understanding of solo playback. And maybe someone else has a different, have a different understanding of how to do solo playback and maybe someone is seeing that in, in a different way than me. Uh, so I'm only teaching and I'm only talking a- about my experience and my, my understanding that is uh, derives from my, my performances and my experiences and the things that I've learned along the way and my understanding of aesthetic and of playback and of ethics so, of course, you can maybe talk about this with someone else and someone else would, would, would have a different kind of concept in mind when it comes to solo playback. I came up with my approach to solo playback and with my kind of rituals and forms out, out of my experience and what, my understanding of what is, what's working and what's not working and, and according to the responses of the, of the audience. This is another thing that I think is important to take under account that uh, I'm only talking from my own perspective. It's not that I'm saying, OK, this is how it should be or that's the right way or, or that's the only way to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, but since people have asked me to speak about solo playback, then I've asked you to to come and do this interview. And I wanted to share my Uh, my knowledge and my understanding but again everyone are free to find their own way of uh, of doing playback theater in general and uh, solo playback in particular as long as we are you know committed to the values of of playback which i think are very important and which is uh, respect for the teller And uh, self-care and those things, I think uh, we should always keep in mind.
1: Thanks for saying this last part. Very uh, important to bring this also, the idea of art. When it becomes Chetna's, it becomes Chetna's and when it goes to Noah, it becomes Noah's. And with the reverence and the ethicality and honoring that it also brings along with it. So thank you for saying that. It it also eases a lot when I hear this. Um, Mm. So, uh, Noah, thank you so much for sharing all your rich experiences and your journey especially. It's so important of how this emerged, solo playback theatre emerged as a practice with you, along with you, and now that it is with all of us now, from you to us, uh, Mm. and most of us are also... Uh, keen to learn and uh, I know a lot of people in India do ask me when I go to performances that they've heard of solo playback theater, or Now, what is it? Uh, ca- can we learn this? So there is mm. a lot of curiosity and I know that a very important reason what you mentioned is that they don't find a lot of people or their schedules or people are doing multiple work and you know, jobs so it's difficult to come get everyone at and all the time together. So maybe this is a skill uh, that one can learn. And uh, thank you so much, Noah. Thank you. Thank you. It was
0: a pleasure. And thank you for your questions. I I will probably uh, think about your questions now throughout the day and think about all the things that I would probably should have said (laughs) I was so happy to reconnect with you and and to have this conversation with you. and I, I really thank you for uh, for doing that. It was a true pleasure.
1: Thank you, Noah.
0: you for joining us. If you want to get in touch, please contact me at noah.laibu at story-lane.com.